0: How y'all doing? Welcome back to yet another episode of In Defense of Liberation, the show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement and one day soon, a true proletarian revolution. If this is your first time stopping by, I am your host, Josh, and I'd like to say thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope you enjoy the show, and if you do, please feel free to go ahead and leave an honest Rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can also reach out to me with any comments, questions, or concerns on my social media platforms, which are uh, all at In Defense of Liberation. I have TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also reach out to me by emailing me indefenseofliberation at gmail.com without any caps or spaces in the username. But now that we got that out of the way, I'd like to say again, thanks so much for stopping by. We have uh, a little bit to talk about today, Uh, but I would like to say, uh, excuse my voice. Um, I'm definitely coming down with something. The two people that I was worried about in my life, uh, having given it to me, both tested negative for COVID. So that's exciting. But I still don't feel great. Um, So if this episode isn't, you know, the best (laughs) sound, even just in my voice, I apologize for that. Second thing I want to apologize for is the fact that because of that, I'm kind of like brain foggy. Might be a little bit more out of it than normal, believe it or not. But it's not because I'm stoned. It's because I'm sick. So anyways, um... What did I really want to talk about? I think I think there's a few things that we could really hit on. Um, I think we ought to hit on the fact that the Biden administration is proving once again that the capitalist class is only allegiant to one class. Um, and even though it might say the right words, even though it might, uh, you know, tag team in some instances with some of the right folks or even have some more advanced, quote, progressive, unquote, people in the party does not necessarily mean that these, uh, you know, groups and representatives are all that radical or revolutionary. They're oftentimes quite similar to one another. Uh, In hitting on that, I'm going to talk a little bit, just kind of briefly, about the nature of the U.S. empire as, you know, kind of a... process as like how it really came to be and developed and who really developed it as a way to really gauge and understand why the shit that keeps happening keeps happening and then the last thing I really want to hit on is a little bit of revolutionary hope in this period of crisis which all of us are really waging through um, and uh, trying to really inspire in some people who listen to this a belief that although things look rough, although, you know, some challenges are definitely ahead of us, this cannot be said to be untrue for any generation that came before us, and I think that plenty of generations, plenty of uh, revolutionaries throughout the world have shown us that, in fact, we can stand true, we can stand tall against these challenges, and we can win, we can be victorious, but Again, as I always say, and as many others say as well, we have to be the actors of our own reality. If we want a revolution to come, well, then we have to build it today. So without further ado, let's kind of get into some of the uh, issues that we're coming up against here in the mainstream political field in the United States. So As we know, the average person does not quite pay attention to politics, at least in any sincere manner. Uh, The average person, at least in the conversations that I have, uh, tends to think of politics as this popularity competition that happens every four years between a few candidates for the presidential seat. Now, I know there's a lot of smart people who listen to this show who will say, well, wait a minute, isn't that really all elections are? And I couldn't quite disagree with you, especially here in the United States where elections oftentimes are seen as fraudulent, they're seen as ultimately useless, and they are oftentimes seen as, uh, honestly, a mistake to even pay attention to. But be that as it may... Do you really want the people who are in power going on TV and telling you exactly what they're doing or at least, you know, accidentally slipping and letting out some information about what they're doing? Do you really want these people putting their faces and their names on television and everybody who could use that information just ignoring it? Would you prefer in this light that we instead just completely cut, toss aside any relevancy when it comes to the electoral process here in the United States for our own expediency's sake so as to not have to be distracted by all the bullshit? I wouldn't really be too, you know, uh, I wouldn't be too keen on uh, saying that, you know, that it's not something that I have wanted to do myself, but the issue with that strategy, as I've been, you know, alluding to in the way in which I've been expressing it, is the fact that the average person already doesn't know what the fuck is going on. So if we just tell everybody basically, fuck these elections, fuck these politicians, let's not pay attention to that shit, let's do our own shit, there's a good chance that the way that they're stacking their forces and the fucking bills that they're passing and all the stuff that really does have an importance when it comes to building a struggle understanding your enemy it will lead to some serious consequences i mean uh, i'm not trying to come on here and pretend that i'm some you know revolutionary guerrilla fighter but at the last you know uh at, at any rate i think it's important to like i said know your enemy so i think it's stupid in a lot of cases uh and I guess maybe not it's not even the word. I think it's incorrect in a lot of cases to uh, disavow politics and elections on principle, especially when politics uh, is very misunderstood as what politics actually uh, incorporates. And oftentimes people forget everything is political. The reason why you pay 329 for orange juice. At your local gas station That is political And I know that seems obscure And I know some people will say You know, well really it's not But it is Because if, you know, you change the political landscape You change everything And so you possibly change that price point To what it is actually valued at Because as they say on This Is Hell Which is a great podcast you should check out in a capitalist imperialist system, we know the price of everything, but we don't know the value. We don't know how much more we're paying on top of that and how much these capitalists and imperialists are really making off of the exploitation and oppression of the producers of these goods. So ultimately, we might know that the price of that orange juice is $329. But unless we do the deep study, we'll never know the value of what a pint of orange juice is worth here because of the actual labor relations uh, as well as uh, combined with the surplus value and labor that is often taken by the capitalists. So now that I've said all that, I think it's really obvious that the Biden administration is not doing shit, right? Now, We were told in 2020, I was told in 2020 that what we need to do is we need to vote for Biden because we need to get Trump out of office so that we can actually implement any kind of progressive agenda to actually fix some of the things that Trump had caused and uh, actually be able to, you know, create uh, a little bit more reform. Well, what's crazy is, as many people on the left predicted, Joe Biden is as uh, equal to, if not in some cases, worse than by her than by Trump. And I say worse in the sense that can you really call somebody that, you know, gets in your face and says, I hate these racial uh, and ethnic minorities and I want to do this to the poor people and I'm going to. Buff up the military so that we can go kill all these people across the world for oil. And we're going to do it in the name of democracy and freedom and American exceptionalism. Can you really call a person that does that an evil conniver or a manipulator? Because I think folks like DeSantis, like Trump, like uh, uh, McConnell... Uh, Josh Howley, Claudia Tenney. I see all of these assholes as exactly what they are. Up in your face, assholes. Now, they might use some nice little slander, some, uh, you know, manipulation tactics with rhetoric, etc., in order to, you know, beef up really what it is that they're saying. Ultimately, they're coming in your face, and if you know the language they're using... They're telling you exactly what they're going to do. But then you got these Democrats, man, and these supposed progressives, these so-called democratic socialists who go on TV and spout off all this rhetoric about all these great things that they think need to be done for the people, all these forms of exploitation and oppression that they're supposedly aware of and working towards changing. And yet, at the end of that you know, TV interview or that Instagram Live, or that Met Gala event, what practically are they doing to take steps towards changing the reality we're in? I think it's quite clear that the Democratic Party serves as the uh, good cop to the bad cop uh, strategy that the Republicans take. You know, ultimately we might call this The two factions of the capitalist party. So I think that's, you know, a very important framing to have when we're talking about the fact that the Biden administration, you know, didn't pass the social spending bill, isn't doing anything for climate change, isn't reducing our military budget, is trying to take out Social Security in a backdoor attempt through private insurance, Uh, is going after you know uh, black, brown and indigenous people that were out in the streets protesting this time last year, they are still not allowing for clemency for elderly patients like uh, patients, elderly uh, convicted uh, and uh, enslaved persons such as Mumia Abu Jamal, uh, Leonard Peltier, and many of the land wa- land. Defenders, water protectors, and others who were standing up and fighting after the killings of Michael Brown, of George Floyd, of Eric Garner, of Breonna Taylor, as well as the implementation of Line 3 and Line 5. All of these things have led to sincere and serious uprising by the masses of people. Now, <clears throat> I'm not saying that uh, this or that candidate would have been a better move. However, I do think that it's clear that if another person or if another administration had been put in place that was more lenient, more keen to allow for uh, demonstrations, for social change, for uh, all of these things, then we might actually see some of these uh, materializing but in fact, what is actually happening is people are getting arrested. People are getting uh, actually deported in some cases. Uh, people are getting uh, beaten. They're getting pepper sprayed. They're getting arrested. All for going out on the streets and saying, hey, stop beating, pepper spraying, and killing you know, folks in this country. Stop letting these cops do whatever the fuck they want. Stop letting this white supremacist system guides itself as some democratic institution. Uh, And of course, the state is cracking down on these people. Well, if we were to have an administration that was actually intending on changing the reality that we live in, you wouldn't see protesters who are just going out in the streets with fucking signs. I mean, we all saw some of the ridiculousness of the supposed... Protests that happened last year, these, uh, you know, riots and these violent uprisings. Half of the time, these people were in the streets, as, you know, Sean and Jackie pointed out on By Any Means Necessary, doing the fucking cha-cha slide. Like, in New York City when Biden was elected. So, I think that if we want to call these, you know, I think we have to keep a clear line on what these protests really were uh, and that is uh also connected to what they became what they materialized into because something that is common to just about every struggle worldwide is trying to change mass anger mass revolt mass demonstrations into material change into mass organization into you know uh social justice so because of that as we see in the U.S. a lot of the energy was co-opted was siphoned off into the election and also was uh stipend uh really like stunted by the ways in which the rhetoric and the slogans as well as the ideas and actions that these people were participating in were co-opted hidden changed, etc. One of the most important to understand might be the difference between the slogan, abolish the police and defund the police. Because when you're talking about defunding the police, you've got to have some kind of power apparatus that is going to hold the people in power accountable. If and when they actually do siphon off some of the wealth into different uh, places and spaces, we have all kinds of three, four, five, six, seven letter organizations that are meant to diversify this and, you know, turn this into some equality structure to actually, you know, develop some kind of environmental changes to give uh, air and and space and, and grants and scholarships to intellectuals and community leaders who want to make change we have all of these organizations set up and none of them do shit because they're just given a blank check no ability to really do anything and ultimately the people who are led into these organizations are just you know former capitalists and imperialists themselves who now have positions within government so unfortunately the reality is quite clear and that is that we don't just need this money right these billions and billions and billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars that are spent every single year in militaries, national guards, which then, uh, you know, ultimately trickle, this is the only place where trickle down actually works. The the weapons and the technologies from the militaries and the national guard make it to the police through a program, which I cannot remember the name of, but all that money, right? They're not just going to put it into education. Like I, I think what we clearly forget is like when we're propagandizing to the people, we also have to have our understanding of and expectations of what's to come and realize that as it stands, we don't really have a force capable of, you know, really implementing its will on the ruling class. Otherwise, I feel like we would have. I wouldn't. I, my, I wouldn't have to be having this conversation. People would already be doing this, right? And that's kind of the issue. One thing that I come up against is because I am so isolated, I oftentimes don't really know where the energy is at, what people are doing. So I really try my best to not make it seem like, you know, these folks aren't doing shit. Everybody out here is doing nothing and I'm some asshole who's great because I record a fucking podcast I think honestly a lot of the shit I do is only useful if and when movements are being built which they are uh and talking about them and giving people information and really being able to learn from those movements and those histories so what I'm trying to say is um it's clear that if if defund the police was a correct slogan in that the strategy that it actually would require was possible because the ruling class powers a were under the you know thumb of a mass force and organization intent on really taking state power or they already lost in the people have taken state power i think these are the only two opportunities where the strategies of defund the police uh and really some of the more social democratic uh, you know, Nordic strategies, uh, this is the only case when they can really work. And oftentimes people forget that the only reason why these strategies work in the Nordic states is because they continue their oppression and exploitation of the global South. Uh, so ultimately they can continue bolstering their, uh, own capitalist, uh, and imperial core nations Uh, and just, you know, really slicing off a little bit more of the pie to the others, right? That's really all that it is. But we don't want none of your pie. We don't want a seat at your table. We want an end to the capitalist and imperialist system, and we want to start building a new society built on scientific socialism here today. So with everything that the Biden administration is, you know, completely incapable and unwilling to do, We have to use this as fuel to really, you know, engulf the people in flames of revolutionary fire. Because, you know, if we can just get uh, Bernie Sanders or an AOC in and they're just going to pass a little bit of reform legislation that's going to make, you know, some white folks have health care or, you know, some uh, protections uh, for workers so that they can, you know, go after their employers after they uh, fire them or something like that. But ultimately, these are temporary Band-Aid fixes because, I mean, you still lost your job or, you know, you still <laughs> still have to go try to find uh, a hospital or a healthcare facility that'll, you know, be able to work with you. You'll still have to continuously see the oppression of the global south for uh a theft of their medicines of their resources of their doctors and of their knowledge uh and so at the end of the day although it might help a few people we also have to have a clear line on who it's going to hurt and uh i think a lot of people in the west forget this when we're talking about socialism but the biden administration i'm gonna just say a few things before i finish up uh came into office on this idea that they were going to pass the Build Back Better Bill, aka the Build Back Basic Bill, which uh, the folks over at By Any Means Necessary uh, had a guest on who was calling it that, and I'm going to keep calling it that, but I'm going to hopefully also remember her name one of these times when I mention it. Uh, But they're not doing this. They are unwilling and incapable to do it. They're blaming Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, but ultimately it's the Democratic Party as a whole, which did not take control of those outliers within the party and force them to follow the party line. That's kind of what the whole party apparatus is for, is it's not individual actors who get to do what they want, because you know that's what they want or because they're a coal magnet who owns you know an incredible amount of fossil fuel industry and therefore will not actually allow for any environmental or climate justice to be had but because the democratic party is ultimately a ruse and has not been democratic since the day it began to call itself such uh, we really can't expect anything else uh, so the Democrats and the Republicans, as we've mentioned, are one side or I should say two sides of the same coin, um, really what we might call, you know, the two factions of the capitalist party. I'll stress that yet again. So obviously, uh, we know that it's not really like when we talk about the Biden and, and Kamala administration. What we're meaning to mention is not these individuals themselves, but really the period in time and the party itself at the moment in which these individuals stand as the representatives for the capitalist class. Because really, if we look at especially uh, parties, or excuse me, houses of government like the Senate, Um, we see quite clearly that the government itself is literally made up of rich, wealthy, bourgeois people who either are themselves members of the big bourgeoisie, the ruling class as a whole, or become members of the ruling class through their partition participation, excuse me, in electoral politics within the empire. Now, the Senate is quite literally a house of government made up of millionaires and billionaires. If you look at, you know, uh, Senator Ryan, if you look at uh, even folks like uh, Bernie Sanders or Biden when he was in uh, the Senate, uh, if I'm remembering correctly. This is the position where these people go to become millionaires even. And so when these climate crisis bills, these environmental justice, these racial, ethnic, and national uh, you know, uh, issues come to the fore and legislation, laws, etc. are tried to be put through uh, in order to try to implement some change... <clears throat> The reason why they're always struck down is because this idea of checks and balances that we have is not actually so that we can make sure that members of our government aren't you know, going rogue because that's literally what they do all the time. But it's when they go too rogue or when they're actually expecting to pass some kind of bill that's gonna affect and, and really help the majority of people, they just strike that shit down in an instant. and And that's that, you know, the Senate... They nixed the uh, the Build Back Basic bill. They got rid of the social spending bill. They got rid of the Medicare for All. They knocked down uh, student loan forgiveness. They knocked down an end to uh, fossil fuels and a change towards green energy. They knocked down an end to the spending of the military budget. And so really, what can we expect? This is what they've been doing since the time that this country was founded as a settler colonial state by wealthy millionaire land-owning males. So really, what are we expecting at this point to be all that different? And that's why history is important, folks. So anyways, going forward, my point is really this. The Biden administration is not special, right? A lot of us want to hate on Biden, especially reactionary folks for X, Y, and Z, but Any of the shit that you can be mad at Biden for, you could have been mad at Trump for, and you could be mad at Barack Obama for, you could be mad at Bush for, Clinton, etc. Because they all did it. The shit that Biden's doing today is a continuation of what Obama did. The shit that Obama was doing was a continuation of what Bush Jr. was doing. So at the end of the day, ultimately, you know, I think it's quite clear that these individuals and these parties really represent some of the same interests and, and participate in a lot of the same actions. Uh, the Democrats are passing just about every bill that's leading to a further military spending and imperialism across the global south. So there's very little that ultimately differs these uh, groups and these parties from one another. And so if we're really wanting to push uh, revolutionary politics, we need to attack the capitalist representatives that they are and ultimately build ourselves as an actually revolutionary oppositional party now of course many of us know the settler colonial nature of the united states a little bit better than most so i think that you know one thing that we have to stress is that the uh you know ongoing colonialism that is happening here on uh, Turtle Island, as well as all across the world, is something which cannot be ignored it cannot be uh coursed over it cannot be uh truly assimilated and I use that word purposefully it can't be assimilated into the struggles of anyone else quite uh conclusively and although you know we really have to focus on trying to wage a unified class struggle, this cannot and should not mean that we ignore or uh, work over the specific and particular uh, ways in which oppressed people are suffering that oppression. Meaning that if we're struggling for a true revolution, then we have to understand that a part of that revolution is decolonization and land back. Now, a lot of people, even among, you know, some left, some of the Marxist-Leninists that I, I talk to, some of the anarchists, some of the uh, Maoists, even sometimes, you know, it's all just different strains of people, ultimately, rather than tendencies. So bringing up tendencies, I think, sometimes really comes down to just... You'd call it inner party politics if we even had an inner party, you know, but uh, really what it is, is it's just this idea of individualism and ego, which uh, really does affect the way in which we interact with one another. But anyways, I think one of the most, you know, important things that we're really missing out on right now is this idea that uh, to build a class struggle does not mean that we just do nothing except for try to get people to pick up guns and overthrow the government. A class struggle, really, if we learn from those who have engaged in it, especially if we learn from folks like, you know, Kwame Nkrumah, Julius Nereri, Saketurei, or excuse me for my pronunciation there, Jesus Christ, I was trying not to cough. Seco Ture, if we listen to folks like George Jackson, if we listen to uh, the folks in Latin America like Che Guevara, Fidel Castro, Jose Marti, if we really read into what it is that these individuals uh, not only said, but what they did, um, we begin to learn that a class struggle ultimately is taking scope and stock of the contradictions the uh, concrete uh, conditions that exist within our given context. And we try to find out how it is that we can uh, really build ourselves, build up our forces and grow so that we can actually implement change that will not only just change the situation, but will revolutionarily change the situation meaning that we're not just going to put a different face in office. We're not just going to put, you know, a few million dollars in this organization's hands so that they can keep pretending just as the uh, other organizations and representatives before them, that they were actually, you know, working on doing anything or changing anything. Uh, What we actually need is power in the hands of people we need the masses themselves involved in uh, the administration of their own communities and society. So as we know, here in uh, the United States, we have all kinds of contradictions that exist. I mean, one of the most blatant, right, is between different ethnic and national groups. Um, We consider them oftentimes different, quote, races. But then we go on to say that race is a social construct. Then we go on to say, you know, all these things. So I think we really need to study, we really need to struggle and begin to understand how these groups do constitute themselves. It was pointed out to me recently that you know the Rainbow Coalition, which many people cite as some true form of, uh, as a true form of interracial uh, struggle, others point out the fact that in Instead, this was intended to be an international struggle because, again, black folks, uh, Chicanos, Latinx, uh, immigrants, as well as others, uh, such as folks from uh, the Asian communities, uh, as well as, you know, plenty different uh, indigenous peoples who are still to this day being uh, exploited in many ways. They all really tried to and ultimately did constitute themselves as uh, national or nationalities as different uh, national groups. Um, A lot of this can be further understood, I think, by uh, looking to Russia. Because if we're talking about the Soviet Union, what we're actually talking about is more than a dozen ethnic and national groups who each. Uh, waged revolutionary struggles, and in doing so came to the conclusion that in fact it was better that they align themselves internationally with one another in order to build and constitute a more powerful and centralized force that could fight back against the uh, powers of reaction and capitalism imperialism. So if we look at things like the right of nations to uh, self-determination, or if we look at also the uh, thesis on the national or colonial questions by Lenin, uh, as well as other works by indigenous peoples here in the United States, such as Nicostez um, and uh, plenty of others who have uh, theorized about how such a struggle could be waged between uh, the groups that do currently reside on Turtle Island. And I think that a lot of people get it in their head, and uh, this is what <clears throat> is, is commonly said about, um, you know, folks who don't really want to take the time to learn about decolonial or land back theory. Um, they oftentimes are, are very, um, how do I want to call it? They're chauvinist, but I'm not trying to use one of those words. I, I had it on the tip of my tongue and I lost it, but Really what these folks do is they, whether it's as intentionally as many of us really think it is, or if it's truly by accident, by just pure ignorance, as a lot of the uh, more uh, popular folks try to claim, um, I think that really... An issue that we see is, you know, oh there it is. white folks think that uh, indigenous and, and black and brown people want to build an ethnic state because their only understanding of you know uh, society between nations is the example that we have here in the us, which is an ethno state by white supremacists. So of course, through natural fears which develop from their environment, they begin to think that, oh, well, this is the example of, uh you know, international relations, which I've had for my whole life experience, uh, has been the domination by white supremacists. So I would expect that that's going to be what indigenous, black, and brown people want. And, you know, to be honest, <laughs> could you be mad at them? And yet, that's not what they want. If you go and actually read, go speak and listen to folks who are, you know, on the front lines fighting for an end to the continued settler colonialism and imperialism that's happening both here on Turtle Island and across the world. Such as the uh, Red Hill oil spill that the U.S. Navy is continuously trying to cover up, uh, as well as the continued oppression of the Philippines and uh places all over the world. But anyways, <clears throat> if you listen to these folks, if you actually go and uh do your research, you you come to the conclusion that in fact really these people don't want an ethno state. In fact, they're they're sick of ethno states because that is the only reality that they've ever lived as well. Um in fact, they've been on the receiving end of that ethno state. So they really have a lot of experience and reasons as to why they might not want such a reality. And so I think that we are quite uh telling in our own ignorance when we become fearful of what could come if oppressed people were given the tools and ability to liberate themselves from their oppression. Uh and so therefore I really do fear that uh The majority of people who are speaking in terms like this just genuinely do not care enough to do any kind of research. But ultimately what it comes down to is the fact that uh, we really need a uh, militant struggle that is putting this shit in people's faces, not just in words on a podcast or a blog, but, you know, in real uh, reality in their faces that this is what a revolution between all these different Ethnic and national groups that exist here looks like, and uh, we're going to keep doing it this way because if we do it this way, we have a chance to actually liberate everyone and not just select groups who have continuously used the slogans and rhetoric of liberatory politics to further their own interests and their own greed. Uh, and so what that really means is taking a full analysis of the situation we find ourselves in here. Can we really say today? excuse me, I took a sip of uh, coffee here, but can we really say today that settler colonialism was just a period in history of the U.S. empire? Can we really sit here and pretend that settler colonialism is an actively being built today through pipelines, through the co-option of native and indigenous knowledge, through the academic uh, fields, as well as just, you know, really an ongoing destruction of the planet, of the landscape, of uh the <laughs> home the the land of the the people who once lived here um and uh can we really say that you know indigenous people would say the same i don't think so so i think that uh if we look at the true nature of the settler colonial state of the united states empire then we see clearly that uh, a level of struggle needs to be engaged in that just clearly isn't right now. The last thing I really wanted to finish on before I go is this little bit of revolutionary hope. So I personally, right, especially with the surging numbers of COVID and uh, some of the reports coming out of uh, the United Nations about water shortages, as well as Africa, or not Africa, Alaska reporting the, uh, some of the highest temperatures ever, 67 degrees Fahrenheit right now, um, there's a lot of shit to be fucking terrified about. And, uh, you know, one thing that I will say, not to scare anyone, but really to put some fire under our asses, there's no guarantee that we survive. Like, I I hope people realize that we are just one, we are one of the species We are one of the groups of things that live on this planet. And guess what? Things on this planet die all the time, and we don't bat a fucking eye. Why do we think all of a sudden, really, that human beings are so special that they deserve to stay alive on this planet? I'd say, just looking historically, we probably got a few things to say that we really don't deserve to stay here. Now, I'm not saying... That, okay, let's just pack it up, right? Because there really are people who do this shit where they go, Oh, you know what's a good idea? If I start talking about the fact that the earth needs to cleanse itself so that millions of people in the global south can suffer and die, and I don't need to feel guilty about it, because I'm woke and an environmentalist. I don't give a shit about the fact that, you know, uh, I guess really what I want to say is this. I, I I won't say that if we don't do anything, we're not going to survive. Like, plain and simple, if we don't do the shit that we need to do in order to survive, why the fuck would we expect to survive? Do we live in some fever dream where we can just destroy an entire planet and do nothing about it, and it's just gonna be okay? I think that a lot of people get into this romantic conception of revolution that, like, Well, it happened for the Russians and it happened for the Chinese and it happened for the Sandinistas and it happened for, you know, all the folks here, there and everywhere. So it's going to come. It's going to come because, you know, obviously, if we look at the capitalist and imperialist systems, there are contradictions which exist, which will, over time, bring to the fore the issues which are, uh, you know, foundational to this system. But will we have an earth to live on by the time we get to that point? Will people even still be, you know, given any autonomous power over their own existence by the time we get there? Sorry, I just watched, uh, well, I've just seen the uh, Matrix trailer for the new one, and I got that in my mind. (laughs) But really, I mean, no jokes, genuinely. I think that it's quite terrifying to think about the fact that the average supposed, you know, communist, leftist, socialist really doesn't do anything, or really can't do anything, to change the reality we're living in. Because right now, if we actually want that reality to change, we have to realize that, again, nobody's going to do it for us. The ruling class sure as shit isn't going to make this change. I mean, Biden did the COP26 meeting and then immediately after signed a $22 million Uh, deal with an oil extraction company to, uh, mine oil right off the coast of New York City, right off the East coast. So dude, listen, the shit is going down. We got to do something about it. I wrote this paper or whatever you want to call it. I wrote this little piece that you can go read. It's, uh, called we must resist. I also wrote one, which I spoke about in our episode yesterday. Uh, comments and questions uh, regarding a revolution in the u s empire um, and I think that a lot of the contradictions that do exist here in the United States pose a difficulty, but I think that if we just uh, a take the approach that well they 'll be resolved eventually without you know really militantly and in a disciplined fashion trying to learn new strategies, trying to develop new tactics to actually do something about this, then it's not just going to happen. And also, B, if we don't, uh, you know, actually get behind the groups of uh, marginalized and oppressed people which are leading these struggles and actually learn from them and support them, then that's probably not going to work either. And, you know, ultimately, if we don't um, really get up off of our asses and join these organizations, uh It's just going to be a bunch of people like myself and others who have podcasts. And what the fuck is that going to do? What, what has that done? I mean, it's been, I've been doing the podcast for two years now. I know people who've been doing podcasts for a decade. What the fuck does a podcast that's around for a decade do? uh, You know, if it's not actively engaged in, uh, you know, revolutionary struggle, like I know that there are, Uh, podcasts that have been around for a while that use a lot of their money towards, you know, actually building revolutionary organizations and supporting revolutions worldwide. So that's one thing. But if you just sit around and record a podcast or write a blog or all you do is write books, like, come on now, man. Like, I get it. This shit is important. But we need motherfuckers doing other shit too, you know, like feeding people and stuff. Like, I think if you're really good at writing, let me just say this. Everyone is going to be needed in a revolution. Every single type of person, every type of skill, every type of, you know, uh, idea. It's going to be necessary in a revolution because we're going to be on our own. And we're going to be up against a more powerful, more connected, more wealthy, more uh, militant uh, class than ourselves. So we, we need everyone. But, you know. I love books just as much as the next guy, right? But if I can only read books, that doesn't offer the revolution anything, you know? So I just want to finish it off with this. Uh, If we look right now at places in Latin America, in Africa, and in Asia, there's a lot to be seen, right? We see a lot of contradictions, we see a lot of oppression we see a lot of suffering, we see a lot of struggle. But what we are seeing in a way that we are not seeing in the West is a a, a, a militancy and a determination towards socialism. Now, a lot of people want to hop on other people's junk and say, well, this or that group really isn't socialist, or this or that group really isn't Marxist. And okay, Round of applause for the true Marxists over here, right? You, you know, read a fantastic book. And now you're applying that knowledge that's incredible. I'm so proud of you. But if all you're doing is going on Twitter and criticizing the Pedro Castiles, Gabriel Boric, uh, you know, and others uh, across, you know, Africa, Asia, and Latin America. But you're not doing anything in your own personal community. You're not doing anything to build a socialist project here in the U.S. Empire or wherever you are, I don't really give a fuck about your ideas on Twitter because you can be right as right is and still not do a goddamn thing about it. The philosophers of the world have only interpreted the world. The point, however, is to change it. Get up off your fucking ass and go do something. Even if that something is talking to people in your community. Even if that something is collecting donations so that you can drop off food at a community fridge. Even if that, you know, get up off of your ass is taking the shit that you read in those books and bringing it to children or bringing it to individuals who, you know, are on the wrong side of uh, society right now due to uh, systems and, and structures that have put in place to take advantage of people who don't have as much as others do. And go give them some revolutionary consciousness. That's what George Jackson did in the middle of one of the most dangerous prisons in the whole world, San Quentin. He said, I came in with a criminal mentality. And then we went around and we tried to develop a revolutionary black consciousness. So if we look at these groups all over the world in the global South, one thing that they are doing that we are not is staying focused. They are struggling in Haiti, in Colombia. In Chile, in uh, you know, Honduras, in uh, Kenya, in South Africa, in Uganda, in Ethiopia, and Eritrea, right now, keep an eye on that. One thing that we need to be clear on is the fact that peoples of Eritrea and Ethiopia need to be set and able to determine their own structures and systems for themselves. We need hands off of the Horn of Africa. We do not people. We do not need people here in the U.S. Empire telling you which group you need to support. In Ethiopia, in Ethiopia or Eritrea, unless they are there themselves, unless they are involved in the structures and the systems and the organizing that's happening, or have any kind of you know analysis and understanding of these things, the most important thing that we need to stress is you off, U.S. hands off of the Horn of Africa, U.S. hands off of the world. We need an end to the U.S. imperialist and capitalist system here within the empire. Because by sweeping the legs of the beast, we are able to take the foot off the neck of the global south so that they can fight for their own liberation with a true breath of fresh air and freedom like never before seen. You got to imagine peoples here in Turtle Island as well as across the world have been oppressed for 500 plus years. If we want like them to actually be able to have all of the... Um, Ability to struggle that they require, we also have to do our part here within the empire, like I said, to sweep, to sweep the legs. So uh, now that I'm done stuttering and slurring my words and everything, the last thing I want to say is this. We cannot give in to nihilism. We cannot give in to pessimism. We cannot give in to this disaster-doomer mentality. We have to keep struggling. We have to keep fighting. We have to keep building. We have to keep growing and connecting with one another. We have to build solidarity. We have to build a socialist system now. Um, we have to be developing this through dual power strategies as well as an open illegal and legal struggle for political power. We need to struggle to take out the oppressors from, uh, you know, a full frontal attack. Uh, attack combined with retreats maneuvers etc we have much to do and we have much to learn and the only way we can do that is through organizing and struggling together so thank you for listening stay safe folks have a happy new year and we will see you next time peace out much love much solidarity to all keep organizing and keep fighting peace